You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 70 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside my friend Liam Baum. It's been a little while since we recorded. We hope that everyone had a very healthy and happy new year, a very good Christmas break. Liam and I are both back at school, unfortunately, but the fortunate part is that it allows us to make a little bit of content because, you know, we're on a little bit more of a strict schedule here. So welcome back to those of you who listen on a regular basis, and we appreciate it as per usual. And uh, welcome to 2024, where the Montreal Canadiens hockey situation is pretty much the same. Nothing has changed drastically since we last spoke. Um, Montreal has been up and down as per usual, floating around 500, winning games that they shouldn't be winning, losing games that they shouldn't be losing. And there's not really much else to talk about other than that. Otherwise, there's a lot of, lo- a lot of news around the league that we'll, that we'll get to uh, throughout the episode. But Liam, Happy New Year. I hope all is well with you. You have anything to say off the top? No, you got it right there. The Habs are uh, falling in the standings, but uh, we'll get into all the statistics, all the games coming up. Let's get right into it. And I'm sure you guys are getting getting a little bit tired of us talking about the same things over and over again, because at the end of the day, I mean, there's not much exciting to talk about in, uh, in Habs land. We'll try and mix it up. We'll try and keep it interesting. Let's talk about it right off the bat, Liam. Let's let's push the Montreal Canadiens news aside for a second. The Anaheim Ducks go out and acquire Cutter Gauthier, former fifth overall pick, for Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick. What are your initial thoughts on this trade? Kind of came out of nowhere. Exciting, despite being so far away or far away enough from the trade deadline. What are your What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, right off the bat, it was very random. Just like came at such a random time. And it's a trade that in the NHL, you really don't see very often. It was too... Well, I guess Cutter Gauthier is more of the the coming up prospect. But Jamie Drysdale is still very young with a lot of potential. But you never really see a young, like top-tier prospect just get traded. And in this case, it was because Cutter Gauthier said he didn't want to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. And there's just one thing I want to get into quickly, and it could be a a bit of a controversial opinion, but I don't like... I'm sure many people have the same opinion, but I don't like how Cutter Gauthier, a guy who's never played in the NHL, is essentially choosing where he gets to want to play. And this reminds me a lot of the NBA. Not so much that young guys get to choose where they want to go, but more so top players run the league pretty much if they want to go somewhere they request a trade and you're gone within uh three days it's like james harden getting moved like four or five times in the last five years and that's something i just don't want to see continue in the nhl and i think there has to be a rule that's put in place so that all these college players who play their full college career don't come out of their two year two years in college and just say oh i don't want to sign there anymore and basically the nhl team just gets screwed so i want to know your opinion on that to me it's just about it's really ridiculous even though it doesn't happen often it's just i don't want it to start you know what i mean no i totally get it and i i am in agreement with you i think we've seen situation like situations like this in the past in the nhl even as a league right we looked at eric lindros who you know didn't want to play for quebec he ended up in uh philadelphia you look at even a guy like adam fox who didn't get that much coverage but refused to play for the calgary flames and then he ended up in new york so i think that this trade seems to be getting a little bit more coverage because you know, Cutter Gote being a fifth overall pick. Obviously, there's a lot of hype. Obviously, having gone to Boston College, there was a lot of anticipation from the Flyers organization and fan base. So, look, at the end of the day, I don't like, you know, him. And look, there's still a lot to be uncovered, right? We Danny Breer gave his comments, but we don't know the to, to what extent. We don't know, you know, the full story, which I think will, you know, uncover itself um, as time goes by. But... Nonetheless, I don't like the fact that Cutter Goatsy refused to talk to the organization. He refused 
to have follow-up meetings with the organization. And on top of all that, at the 2020 draft, or sorry, the 2021 draft or 2022 draft, he said that he was willing to be a flyer and he was excited to be a flyer. Now, obviously that can all be just hearsay and, you know, might not necessarily be true, but as an organization and Danny Briere, who's, you know, taking on this, this rebuild, this Philly team that seems to, to be overperforming a little bit right now, but taking on this rebuild, Cutter Goatsy is a very, very important part and important piece to, uh, to this team going forward. So to have those comments come out and, you know, to uncover a lot of this information about Cutter Gauthier and, you know, his unwillingness to play for the team is, is, is a lot to take on. And absolutely, it does remind me a little bit of the NBA where, you know, these players are kind of going from team to team and choosing where they want to be. So I think that that's kind of got to be eliminated to a certain extent. And there has to be a little bit more, uh, there has to be better communication between the player and the organization. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not a fan of the way that this situation transpired at all. Yeah. And I think Philly's still in a very good position because they have Michkov. But again, losing a top tier talent like that, it, it, it really sucks. Like imagine this happened to us with Lane Hudson. Obviously he's not a, a top five pick, but is playing like a, a top, at least a top 10 skill level in that draft here. But I don't think we need to be too worried about Hudson because I think it was yesterday, the guy was doing an interview with a Habs t-shirt on and absolutely smiling anytime they were talking about the Canadians. So nonetheless, I think Anaheim is going to have a really, really strong top six. They've got a lot of good young pieces. And Philly gets a defenseman, a right-handed defenseman, which we all know is very difficult to get in the NHL. And uh, they, they got a good core coming up as well. Liam, I'll say it flat out. I, I genuinely believe that Jamie Drysdale will be more valuable to this Philadelphia Flyers team than Cutter Goatsey will be to that Anaheim Ducks team. That's a take. And it, it might it might be sound crazy, but for one, right-handed defensemen, young right-handed defensemen are hard to come by. And for two, per, I, I never actually watched him play in college. And maybe you guys can call me out for looking at strictly stats here. But Cutter Goatsey's numbers two years into his college career are not astronomical. They're not anything to write home about. He's been over point per game. He's been, he's fluttered around point per game, a little bit over point per game. But do I think he's a game changer? No, I don't. And I think that Jamie Drysdale at 21 years old has proven a lot and he still has a lot to prove. And if that Philadelphia team rebuilds properly, you know, going out and getting Mitchkov, you know, Morgan Frost is a young player. Bobby Brink is a young player. Tyson Forrester is a young player. They and, and, get, and again, none of these guys are maybe standouts, but I think that they're a very young core that's, you know, coming up together. And I think that if they do that properly, I think that Jamie Drysdale can be the number one defenseman on this Philadelphia Flyers team. And I don't think it would surprise anyone, especially you, myself. Yeah, no, no, I definitely could agree with you. If you want to hear a crazy stat right now. So Ryan Paling finished about point per game in college. He played his full tenure there and also was the MVP of the World Juniors. Cutter Gote was basically, he was the tournament leader in points, I believe, in the World Juniors this past World Junior Tournament and was basically the runner-up for MVP and is also around, uh, hovering around point per game. So you really never know with these guys. Paling was also a first-round pick. He was a later first-round pick for the Canadians, but... Really, you never know. So I don't. I don't think that's a a, a really hot take to say Jamie Drysdale is going to be more valuable because just two or three years ago, Jamie Drysdale was tearing up his league and had a really really good World Junior. So don't write him out yet. No, I'm I'm definitely not willing to write him off. And the truth of the matter is, is that look, there's instances like Paling where it doesn't work out, and then there's instances like Jack Eichel where it does work out, right? And obviously, Jack Eichel being a second overall pick, that's obviously a completely different story. But Cutter Goatsey at fifth overall has a lot of has a has a has a unique skill set, right? He has an incredible shot. He has a massive frame, and I think that he uses that to it to it is to his advantage. But it's going to be a question of if it's translatable to the NHL level and if his game is translatable to the NHL level. And I think that, you know, now having seen Jamie Drysdale in just, this is going to be his fourth full-ish seat. Well, last year he got injured, unfortunately. This year he's played 11 games. His first season played 24. So this is going to be really his, uh, his second season that's going to hit over 50 games, give or take. 
Um, but nonetheless, I think that, you know, 21 years old, sixth overall pick in 2020, like, why are we so quick to just say that Philly won that trade despite Jamie Drysdale getting picked at practically the same spot two years prior? You mean, you know, you mean Anaheim won the trade? Well, yeah, well, I'm yes, exactly. Why are we saying that Anaheim won the trade by acquiring Cutter Gauthier? And why are we so quick to say that? And that second round pick is obviously valuable, right? Yeah, you can grab sure. some, you you can grab, you have to hit on the pick, but it's good. It's basically going to be a first round pick because Anaheim sucks. So it'll be in like that 33 to 30. It's going to be an early pick range. Right. So, I mean, again, look yeah, at the guys that have been drafted there, right? Brad Lambert, um, Massar, Owen Beck, right? So you got a lot of players there that are, that there's obviously potential, but nonetheless, I think that from a macro perspective, I think that both teams won. I think that they both won. I think one team got an elite goal scorer that's going to bolster that top six. And at the end of the day, Anaheim has plenty of defensive prospects, uh, whether it's Mitt Yukov, uh, Lacombe, Zellweger. Uh, Tristan Luno, Zellweger. There's a ton there, right? Um, whereas I think for I think for um, the Philadelphia Flyers, I think that they were lacking a guy like Jamie Drysdale, right? They were they had um, sorry they have Travis Sanheim, they have Zamula. Uh, Zemguler, I don't know how to pronounce yeah, his name properly. Zemguler. Right. But nonetheless, right. They needed that one piece of that guy. Like now they have a guy that they're going to be able to de depend on year after year for, you know, hoping Jamie Drysdale's career goes pretty long the next 10 years. And so Cam York. So they get right. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. There. Absolutely. So I think from a macro level perspective, both teams, you know, equally, it was a trade-off. It was a good trade. It made sense for both sides. And, uh, and yeah, that's about that. Um, so Look, we just spent about a, 10 minutes talking about that trade and haven't touched a single piece of Montreal Canadiens news. But hey, Liam, is there really that much to talk about? Not really. Um, in the last, I'll say in the last five, in the last five games, Montreal's won, taken two of those and they've lost three. Both of their wins came against, well, one of them came, came against the New York Rangers. The other came against the Dallas Stars. I didn't even get to watch the New York Rangers game, and I'll admit it, but I heard that it was an incredible game. I saw the shootout, but kind of missed out on that, unfortunately. They took just a huge... A, yeah, yeah, go just, ahead. Just a jump in here quick. I think that Rangers game... I know we talked about this a lot, but I think that Rangers game is the game that solidified Montembeau as our number one. He is the guy. After that game, there's just nobody else that that compares him and that that three-headed whatever three-headed monster group if you want to call it with Allen and Primo but I, I think that is the point where we we need to aggressively start shopping Jake Allen oh undoubtedly and honestly if it were up to me and again if a lot of things were up to me it would it would be a lot different but that's probably why the organization would be be run as well. But nonetheless, he Jake Allen would be gone yesterday, you know? And I'm sure that Kent Hughes and his management group are trying their best to move one of these goalies. And I want to know what you have to say about this because I thought it was a really interesting take. I was listening to the Sick podcast hosted by Tony Marinaro. He had George Larac on. George Larac made a really interesting comment talking about how, don't get me wrong, and this is this is, I'm quoting him, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, don't get me wrong, Montembeau's an incredible goalie, and he's proving that game after game. But how do the Montreal Canadiens know that uh, that Samuel Montembeau is that goalie, it's the goalie that they want him to be, if they aren't able to get him into a consistent starting goalie routine? And I thought to myself, I'm like, that's a great point, because there's weeks where he gets one game, he's not prepping like a starter, his mindset is not is not like a starter, he gets as much rest as a backup, and I'm not saying that he's the guy of the future necessarily, but he's our in-between guy. He's our he's our rebuild guy. He's the guy that you want to see solidify his position as that backup goalie slash 1B on a Stanley Cup winning team. Sure. But I think that we need to get to the point where, whether it's moving Allen or moving Primo and letting Montebo play 35 to 40 games, even if it's a healthy split. Because playing right now at what? What is it? Maybe... 25 to 30 games right now, not even, right? Maybe 20, 25 games. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's gonna he might look incredible in a lot of those, but he's fully rested. He's not playing back to backs. He's not playing two to three games a week. He's not starting. So how do we know? Right? So I want to hear what your thoughts are on yeah, that. No, it's very true. It's it's 
it's very hard to tell, but the only way we're going to be able to tell is if we get rid of a goalie. And again, we've talked about this a lot, but I think the only answer here is trading the vet guy who's proven that he's a solid backup goalie. And I think there's a lot of teams in the market for him, such as the Kings who lost their backup goalie and the Leafs who have no consistency in net. So the only way we're going to find out is if we trade one of them and I, that guy has to be Allen because I truly do think Montembeau can handle a starting load or at least a, a full 50-50 split because Primo has definitely shown that he's capable of playing in the NHL as well. Just look at last night. He kept the Habs in the game the whole time with a couple breakaway saves in overtime and trying to keep them in it in the shootout, but we couldn't score once. So again, the only way we're going to find out is if we trade one of them, which I think is the answer at the deadline. Absolutely. And looking at it right now, Montembeau has started 18 games. Jake Allen has started 14 and Primo nine. So right now, you know, I guess my, my comments about Monty playing 20 to 25 are completely off, right? I think he'll probably end up playing 30 to 35, give or take, depending on how much they give to Allen and Primo down the line. And if one of those two guys ends up getting traded and look, I wouldn't be opposed to them even moving. Like, look, you ideally want to move Allen. He's the older guy. He's the guy that you don't probably see sticking around for too, too, too much longer. But look, if you get, if you get a, a call on Primo, like I, I'm not saying I don't believe in him, but I think, I think you move off him. I just think the value isn't there. Like, what are we, we're going to get offered to like a fourth round pick, even, even like a third round pick. What, what's the point? We're just going to, but what do you get for Allen? I think you get like at least something a little more valuable. I know there was a rumor that the Leafs offered a sixth and the Canadians shut it, shut that down right away. But I feel like a team that's desperate at the deadline is going to be willing to pay for a goal for a goalie. Because how many goalies are there that can actually handle at least a 50-50 role right now? Maybe Vejmelka, like a guy that's available. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's a market there for a goalie that's proven and has shown in the past he could handle that that load. No, that's very fair. And uh and we'll see. And the, the truth is is that I I think for some reason and look, we we talked about this maybe 3 or 4 episodes ago, but this was probably back in October, November. I mean, we were talking about Jake Allen and how, you know, why wouldn't teams call on him? And but then we said, well, look, Edmonton has a problem in net. And they are so reluctant to actually make a move, to make a change, to go out and get that goalie. And I feel like right now, obviously, when you get closer to the deadline, teams become a little bit more um, desperate. But I find a lot of the deadlines, when we when we look at them, right, they're a little bit they're a little bit underwhelming. And I know that the cap is going up, and it will, you know, not this season, but next season and the year after that. But I find like it's tough for some teams to take on players or goalies, nonetheless. Like, it doesn't matter which position. They're, it's just, they have a hard time taking on cap. Yeah. And it's, so, yeah, go really ahead. Only, I, I'd say the only reason a team should take on Allen is if they're dealing with injury and, and cap frees up because it is very hard to create space. How much is Allen making? Like, three mil? Four yeah, give mil? or take. I'll pull that up quickly, but continue on your thought there. Yeah, so, again, the only reason a team would be able to take on a goalie cap like that is is if they're dealing with injury like Copley who tore his ACL and is out for the season, I believe, or Samsonov who's getting sent to the minors so his cap doesn't reflect fully on uh the the team's yearly cap. So yeah, that that's just my thoughts there, but I think I think that's the answer. We we got to move Allen out of this out of this roster, not only because we'll free up cap, but will get some value in return. Right. No, very fair. Very fair. And Allen just to, so for this year and next year is getting paid 3.85. So, so, you know, just, uh, just south of $4 million there. And look, I, I a hundred percent agree with you on that, on that, on that point. I just, you know, Look, you were mentioning the Leafs. And what was the other team you mentioned, sorry, before the Samsonov? The Kings. Uh... The Kings. Yeah, so, see, that's interesting to me because 
I 100% agree with you. I say, well, look, they lost Copley. They have Riddick backing up. They have Talbot starting. And over the last four or five games, the Kings have struggled a little bit. And you and you might say, well, maybe is that maybe is Talbot's age catching up to him? Maybe is maybe is he just getting exposed as the season goes on, right? Because you know, first 15, 20 games is a lot different than the back end, right? We know that. But nonetheless, are the Kings, and this is more of a rhetorical question, but are the Kings going out and trading for a goalie? I don't think so. Like, I don't think that they will do that personally. That's my take. And maybe, maybe you think otherwise, but are the Leafs and, and the Leafs to me are desperate, right? If they, if they hadn't signed Martin Jones and people were bashing them, including myself, people were giving them a hard time. What would you do? Why are you going out and signing Martin Jones for, you know, a million dollars, whatever it is, eight, eight ninety, whatever it is. But if they didn't have Martin Jones, they'd be, they'd be screwed right now. They'd be screwed. They'd be running Hildebeast. Right. The Hildebeast, apparently they call him. But <laughs> But nonetheless, I mean, Samsonov hasn't worked out. Um, Wool's injured. Like, that's a tough situation. Then you go to Edmonton and you say, well, you have Stuart Skinner, but Calvin Picard is your backup right now. That's not going well. I don't think we've heard of Jack Campbell. We haven't heard of Jack Campbell for the last, uh, you know, month or two months, right? It's, yeah. been, it's been a long time. So it, it begs the question, well, what are these teams doing? What are they waiting for? But I think that a lot of these teams are not willing. Like we saw the Leafs. They offered a sixth round pick or so we, we're speculating, right, yeah. that they offered a six-round pick for Allen. Like, that's a joke, in my opinion. That's a complete joke. Yeah, unless they're just considering the fact that he's making almost $4 million, so we're shedding cap, but I don't know. Yeah, but Liam, he'd be the best goalie on their roster. No, it's true. And what's going to happen with Matt Murray if they have to activate him? Who knows? Right. So... We'll leave, we'll leave that to you guys. Let us know what you guys think about the goalie carousel and, you know, who's out the door and what's the paying price that you're willing to pay uh, or what, or, or sorry, not what you're willing to pay, what you're willing to, um, you know, get in return for a guy like Allen, or even if it is Primo, let us know. But I, um, I actually, last thing on that is that I, I don't know if you saw it on RDS, but um, Kent Hughes spoke on RDS for a 30 minute segment there and spoke with uh, Auntie Sham or the guys on Auntie Sham there. And, uh, it was funny because like they said, he said like us signing Montembeau proved that we want to keep him around. And I know that that's pretty obvious, but I think that there were a lot of people speculating, well, you know, let's go out and trade him because his value is incredibly high. His contract is amazing and he can absolutely help out a team. But I think that they're committed to him staying in Montreal and the other two guys are the, the main options out um, at the deadline. So just a little note there. Yeah, um, I, think, um, I think we should yeah, look at ahead. some, you know, statistics in the past 10 games, see who's doing well, see who's not doing as well. Shoot, my friend. Give um, it to me. So in the last 10 games, we'll keep it at 10 because we haven't talked in a while, but Nick Suzuki, our all-star player nominated for the all-star game, is uh, riding nine points in the last 10 games. Pretty good. And is basically hovering around point per game. So that's going to be exciting to see where he ends up at the end of the season. Does he hit 75? Does he hit 80? I guess we'll find out there. Um, then we've got Michael Matheson been having a very strong offensive year, not so much defensive. He's got seven points in 10 games and, uh, happy to see the next guy, Yuri Slavkovsky, seven points in 10 games. And then it falls off a little Cole Caulfield's got six and 10 and, uh, Josh Anderson is not in fact back cause he's got four points in the last 10 and zero in the last five. But one thing to touch base upon again, we've talked about this so much and it's finally so nice to see that Slavkovsky is finally getting that first line time the first line power play is being used as the skill player he is he's averaging 19 minutes a night the only problem is Mike Matheson does not like to pass to him on the power play any any moment Slavkovsky's open Mike Matheson is dishing it to the left side not the right to Slav which is really frustrating to see Hopefully Lane Hudson will change that. But yeah, Slaff is Slaff is definitely improving. It's nice to see nice to see last game. Almost scored a goal. They called it back or they give it back to Savard, but he's getting in the right places at the right time. He picked up a point on that play, which is nice too, right? Yeah. You know, contributing to the to the what is it, uh, seven points there. Um the one guy, the, the guys that I want to point out, Liam, and talking about stats, we'll we'll look at a different stat here as time on ice. Jaden Struble. Jaden Struble was a second round pick back in 20, I want to say 18 or 19. Correct me if I'm wrong. One of the two. He tested really well at the combine. 
he was an absolute freak of nature in some of those in some of those categories. And I think a lot of people saw him as a development project, right? If he was going to come play in the NHL, he was going to be a project. And everyone talks about how the NHL is not a development league and blah, 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 blah. And do I completely disagree with that? No. But I'm looking at the last five games here. Jaden Struble played 1640 against Tampa, 1815 against Dallas. 1745 against Buffalo. Granted, it was a blowout game, so they were kind of probably just rolling lines there. 2028 against the Rangers. And then another 1933 against Philly last night. I'm impressed with not only his play, but I'm happy to see that there is some dependence. They're, they're trusting him. They're trusting him with bigger minutes. They're trusting him to be out there. They think he's defensively responsible enough. And the truth is, I heard this as another comment, I think it was on the SICK podcast. Struble keeps it simple. Very few turnovers, plays a very simple game, head up, stretch passes, easy breakout passes. And that bodes well for a young player trying to make his mark on this team and in this league. I think he's done a very good job playing with Jordan Harris on his other side. And the truth is, I'm watching some of these Habs games and I think that the Habs defensive core has increasingly turned the puck over way, 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 way too much. Whether it's Matheson, whether it's Savard, or whether it's Gooley, unfortunately. And I'm going to, we'll leave Gooley out of this conversation because at the end of the day, he's a young player. He's learning. He's logging heavy minutes. He's depended upon. But I like what's going on on this decor right now. An internal competition, because we see down in the minors, there's Logan Mayu, uh, there's Logan Mayu and there's Arbor Jackai, who are both playing at, at exceptional rates. There's internal competition on this team. Then you add in the Lane Hudsons. Then you add in, add in the David Reinbacher. We'll see where this all goes, but this decor is shaping out to be one of the better ones in the league at the right time. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? For sure. I, I think, honestly, Jaden Schrubel is like the most exciting defenseman to watch on our team. He's he's not a big defenseman, but he he fights out there. When he uh, Who was he fighting that game where he took... Was it against uh, Chicago... I forget who he was. I, I feel like, yeah, when, when the guy went to hit him and then, you know, yeah, fell and then he, he ragged he all the next up. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's just yeah. really exciting. He doesn't make, I mean, it's hard to say because it's really hard to analyze every shift he has. But from what I see, he's a very strong player in the defensive zone and makes that good first pass out of there, even though he's limited to, I mean, he's he's playing pretty big minutes, but he's not playing first line minutes. But nonetheless, he's looking really good. And... Just super exciting to watch. But on the other hand, Barron hasn't looked too good. I think there needs to be an adjustment there. Obviously, he's very young still, and, and there's a lot of adjusting to do when you're playing in the NHL. But I think maybe he needs to take a stint in the AHL, get some confidence back. Uh, Gooley has been playing pretty well. He's been playing okay. But again, there's a lot of turnover mistakes, which we do need to correct on because in the future, th those are the types of plays that lose you games. So again, we, we, we've got a really good upcoming decor. There's going to be a lot of adjusting to do because all these guys are pretty new to the NHL and it, it's a way different game than junior hockey. But from what we're seeing, there's a lot to be excited about, especially with, with Struble. And if there's one thing that I take away from this whole decor right now, I'm gonna, and I'm and I'm saying it in capital letters, Liam. Trade David Savard now. Yesterday, last year, he has six points in his last ten. He's tied for fourth in scoring on this Montreal Canadiens team in the last ten games. He blocks shots. He's a right shot. He can be of value to a team that's competing. His value has never been higher. Actually, it was higher probably three or four games ago. But get David Savard out of Montreal. And I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. I mean it in a way where if you're Kent Hughes and you're, you're, you know, you're on the phones and you're trying to make things happen, I think that he's the first guy out the door over Jake Allen. I really, really do. Because not only does this create opportunity for other guys on that blue line, but you're also going to get some sort of asset back. And with David Savard making, I think, around $4 million, give or take, maybe yeah. a little bit south of that, like, I think, get rid of this guy. He, like, it, it's, and again, not in a, in a non-disrespectful way. I just think that he's of value right now. 
And yes, the trade deadline is mid-February. But right now, we're beginning of January, almost mid-January. Like, make something happen. Because set the market, set the value. You be the first one to make a move because that way you're the guy that's determining how much your player is worth. But the second of, but the second a right-handed shot defenseman goes off the board to a contending team, all of a sudden we're comparing that player to David Savard. I mean, and I rather... Yeah, go ahead. Stanley Cup. Is he a Stanley Cup champion? I believe he is. Yes, he won the cup with... He won the cup against the Habs with the hat that you're wearing. There you go. So, so again, he's got the tools. He's got the tools. Look, I mean, yeah, sure. I think that he also has an ability to log heavy minutes, block a lot of shots, and his body, he's able to, you know, look, he's been, he's averaged almost 20 minutes a game over the last 10 games, which isn't like anything significant. But again, the Montreal Canadiens are in a, in a process where they're, you know, rolling lines, trying to get guys going, trying to, trying to see what they can get out of these younger guys. But nonetheless, you can't tell me that, you know, year after year, you're looking at the trade market and you say, well, Matthias Ekholm went for X amount. I couldn't give you off the top of my head other defensemen. I don't know if you have any other um, any other examples, but I mean Zadorov went early in the year. Yeah, I, I'm not comparing him to these players, but I'm comparing the I'm comparing the position and I'm comparing the fact that down the line, when teams get desperate, they're willing to pay for defensemen or players in general. And yeah, if David just, Savard is a hot commodity, quote unquote then just yeah. go for it. Because then it allows, if you want to get some games out of Hudson at the end of the season, if you want to get some games out of Mayu, if you want to get some games out of Jackye, who 10 points in his last 12 probably deserves to be on this Canadian team right now, like get him out and let's let's see what we, we can work with. Because David Savard is not is not a long-term uh, a long-term hold for no, this Canadian no. team. He's, he's not really uh, an investment here, but just another guy, not super relatable, but Phil Heronik got traded when... He started the season well last year, but then fell off a little and got traded. But it was still a really good return. I, I'm pretty sure there was a first round pick in there. So there you go. That's all. That's all you really need to know. And yeah. um, teams pay. They pay at the deadline. And it's something we got to take advantage of with all our guys that we need to move out, like Monahan, like Allen, like Savard, maybe Josh Anderson. Yeah, it's so. a tough contract to move. And if we're talking on that same vein, as much as I love Brendan Gallagher, I'd love to get rid of him too for that six, six and a half million dollars. But hey, sometimes you got to bite the bullet. I yeah. feel like we're in a we're in a situation where we kind of have to bite the bullet. But again, kind of impressed with how this team's playing despite having major, major injuries, having lost Dvorak, having lost Kirby Doc, and having lost uh, Alex Newhook. Um, so definitely interesting. I like, I don't know about you, I've, we've seen four games out of Emil Heineman. He's averaging just, 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 just north, uh, just south, excuse me, of uh, 10 minutes a game. He's a plus two, four games played, no points. But I feel like his game is really translatable to the NHL level. What about you, Liam? He seems like that power play specialist type. Of guy. His shot is amazing, and he's pretty quick as well. But it's just really hard to analyze a player when he's only getting 10 minutes and he's playing with Michael Pozzetta, so... I'd love yeah. to see him get a get a bigger role, which I think there is an opportunity for. But it's just if Marty St. Louis is going to give him the going to give him the opportunity. But he's back in the minors, right? No, Heineman was up last game. Okay, yeah, he played. He, was. he played last night. I don't know because I think because they sent Lindstrom on waivers, and then Lindstrom got claimed by the um, Ducks. the Ducks. Yeah, so I think that they're keeping him around. I don't know what that move aims to do, but. But look, you, here's my here's my take on Heineman. I think that he has the hockey smarts, and I think he has an incredible shot. If I had to compare him to an NHL player, not at this point in their career, but at some point, call me crazy. I'm looking at Max Pacioretty. Like, genuinely speaking. Like, I think you have a, a very big and heavy stride. It's a long stride. Choppy, but long. And you've got a great shot. You can set him up on the power play. He's got the hockey smarts. He's not going to be the quickest guy on the ice, but I think he's going to be a very comp a very nice complimentary player on a line. Now, it's a question of what this team will look like in five years down the line, and hence, will he be a part of it? But, I mean, you put him on a third line and insulate him properly, hey, could be could be a good uh, good scoring depth piece on in that middle six. Yeah. In the summer, or right at the start of the season, we compared Emil Heineman to Victor Olofsson which I think is a still pretty good comparison. Yeah, not bad. Considering Victor Olofsson had 28 goals last year, I believe. 
right and and the habs are sorry to cut you off i was just gonna say the habs are absolutely you know they're begging for goals dude they're begging for goals like again and then it begs the question i'm not even gonna bring this up in depth but then why do you go after a a a defenseman when you could have drafted a a a guy like mitchkov who's gonna score goals but nonetheless i mean they're begging for goals so i mean look i mean cool caulfield has seven goals this year eight goals this year 11 where am i i'm lost i was looking at last 10 excuse me last 10 he has three but then i was just adding a few more but anyway okay 11 not completely terrible still not anywhere near. but that's not his standard last year yeah yeah. And I'm and I'm and I'm afraid to say that I don't know if he's playing scared or injured or what it is. And maybe it's just a new line, but he looks like he's playing so passive. Mm-hmm. He's not involved and he's not a four checker to begin with, but he looks so physically uninvolved. Yeah, but it's like w- what we were talking about like a week ago where we said Caulfield is is good at pretty much one thing right now, and that's shooting the puck. Right, but is he even at this point? Because because don't I we know that he's good. I'm not I'm not saying he isn't, but and I'm sorry to cut you off again, but I mean he's shooting at just eight percent. Yeah. So well, we're saying that he's good at shooting the puck, but he's shooting eight percent and he has eleven goals in forty games. Yeah. No, not that he's scoring. He's good at shooting okay. the puck, not scoring right. at this moment. But other any other area around that right now, he's looking looking really poor. He is leading the Canadians in shots in the last ten games, but only averaging two and a half. And that's just not the standard we need. And that's not the goal scoring ability that he's capable of. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, we'll leave that at that. I mean, look, 64 goals in 163 career games for him. Like that's an incredible pace. Obviously we're looking at a little bit of a drop off because you look to last season, right? And I mean, he, before he got injured, he was on an absolute tear. Yeah. He had 26 goals in 39 games or something and now yeah and now we're at 11 and 40 i mean look hopefully things turn it around hopefully and look if it's not this year it's the next i don't and i think we talked about this he's not the guy that you're going to necessarily depend on game in and game out to be your go-to guy on a stanley cup team like i just don't and i love him i think he's incredible is he the first option i don't think so is he the second option i don't think so third option we can i can i can agree yeah I think the the positive thing here to look at is that this isn't abnormal for young guys. Because if we look at Stutzel right now, the guy had 40 goals last year. He has seven this season. We right. Look at Dylan Cousins. The guy has absolutely no goals. So it's not abnormal. They'll turn. He'll turn it around. But I think the positive thing is that he's on a line that's building chemistry, that's staying together right now, and a power play that's somewhat clicking a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully the goals come and that shooting percentage will definitely increase because that's just not like him to be shooting or scoring with under a a 10% shooting percentage. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not particularly normal at all. Um, I wanted to look at something quickly, uh, totally up to you if you're good with it, but I was going to look at, uh, because we keep talking about, and Montreal has had an incredibly difficult time at signing UFAs to begin with, you know? They bring in the guys like Tyler Toffoli, Mike Hoffman, and Toffoli was a great addition. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you never seen a splash name. You never seen a guy that's going to come in and make a difference. And I truthfully, I don't know about you, Liam, but I don't believe in building your team from free agency. I don't think that's how you do it. But, 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 there's a lot of free agents, and one of them just went off the board. UFA William Nylander, eight years, eleven and a half million dollars a year for the young kid. I don't think I can call him a kid. He's older than me. But for the young guy, that's a crazy contract. The cap's going to go up. It's obviously going to allow for a little bit of maneuverability, if you will, once the cap goes up for those Toronto Maple Leafs. But they're very locked in um, to four guys, which is is crazy. Maybe even five if you want to count Morgan Riley. But in this upcoming summer, this upcoming summer, July 1st, Steven Stamkos is a UFA. Elias Pettersson is a UFA. Sam Reinhardt is a UFA. Jake Gensel is a UFA. And then there's a few other names littered in there, whether it's Jonathan, Jonathan Marjasso, Tarasenko, Hannafin, Lindholm. These guys are all UFAs. Now, who knows if they make it to the summer being unsigned or going unsigned? Let's keep it completely realistic. So if we're keeping it completely realistic, probably none of these names end up in Montreal. But 
if you had a realistic name that could end up in Montreal and you would like to see in Montreal, is it any of those guys on that list? If I'm being, well, I'd love to see a bunch of those guys, but <laughs> if it's realistic, I'll say Jonathan Marsh so just because he's from Quebec and probably has a desire or had a desire at one point to play on the Canadian. So I wouldn't say that's that's unrealistic at all. Maybe Steven Stamkos. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, it's, I was, I was actually weirdly enough, I don't know about you, but I was really hoping that potentially the Montreal can go out and get William Nylander, you know, this summer, sign him to a lucrative deal and whatnot. Realistically, he wasn't making out of Toronto, let alone he wasn't even going to come to Montreal, in my opinion, but a man can dream, I guess. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess Marshall is probably the most realistic. Obviously, getting a guy like, I mean, I think Pedersen's going to realistically end up in Vancouver. Stamkos will yeah. probably end up in Tampa. Gensel, Gensel could be interesting. I think Lindholm will be traded. At the deadline. Who knows to where? And who knows if he resigns in the place he gets traded to? I like him, though. I don't know if he fits into our top six, but I guess, I guess there's no one of... I guess there's no one that would make sense for our current situation. I don't really know. No, it would be I, nice to see a big name come in, though. Yeah, I think a lot of those guys are just going to end up re-signing. Sam Reinhardt, I think he's found a place in Florida. He's going to ask for a lot of money because he's having a really good season, but I think Florida's going to bite there and re-sign him. And I think I don't think the Penguins are going to be able to give up on Gensel just because in three, four years, how old is Gensel? He's like 30. 29. Okay, so in three four years, Gensel is gonna be their their top guy, unless it's like no, hundred percent. And and you know what? He's proving that he's good. Besides just playing with Crosby, you know. So they, I think, I think you got to, uh, I think you gotta lock him in there. And I think that he's very deserving it, if it deserving of it, especially if you want to keep, you know, getting wins, right? Um, just uh, to hop in, I just going talking about free agents, but Elias Lindholm, I'm gonna say he's going to Colorado, but just talking about a guy who's on Colorado right now, former Montreal Canadian, Jonathan Drouin. I'm going to cover my Ridiculous. eyes. Ridiculous. Ridiculous how well he's doing. Look, we he's all... playing with two great guys, though. Yeah, well, that is the that is the McKinnon and Rantanen effect. Look at Nachushkin, but Jonathan Drouin, I don't have the right numbers here, but I'd love to know his stats in like the last 15 games because he's playing power play one. Line one started off pretty rough, was on like the fourth line at one point, but absolutely ridiculous numbers. Every game, this guy is either scoring or getting an assist. And obviously, it's he, he heavily relies okay. on, that, on that power play. Hit me with the numbers. Well, I'm not going to hit you. I want you to guess. In the last what, 15? In the last 15 games, 13. He's got 14 points in his last 15. So annoying, like. But it's not annoying. Guys? It's not annoying, though. And I want and I want us to talk about this for a second. It's not annoying, because Jonathan Drouin, a young guy coming from Tampa, obviously wanted to play in Montreal. But Liam, we can both recall when he first came to Montreal that the media wanted him at center. Claude Julien wanted him at center. They wanted him to do. They wanted him first power play. They wanted him to play twenty five minutes a night. They wanted they they the expectations in the old management were just unrealistic altogether. Unrealistic yeah. completely. He had no one to play with. Those lines, if you go back on it, were atrocious. Just atrocious. Like, it, it wasn't, it, it was abnormal. Look, I mean, the guy is skilled. We've seen it before. He just didn't have that drive. And I don't think, and I think he was scared of the Montreal media and he was scared of everything that came with it. But now you're sheltering him in Colorado, in Colorado, and you're putting him on a line with McKinnon and Rantanen, and on that power play with Makar, Nachushkin, Rantanen, and McKinnon. Like, if you could do something there, I could do something there. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, but the, the frustrating part is that I like to watch Colorado, and when you watch him, it's like he has a newborn confidence again. Like, there's nobody watching him anymore. It's just him and his skill. And he's, he's he literally moves like a lesser version of McKinnon. He's kind of has like that choppiness in him but his hands are still amazing his vision is great and he moves the puck well like it's just it's disappointing that he couldn't do that do that in 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 our market yeah it is very disappointing and i blame and and honestly he's he's partially to blame but i blame a lot of other people but him 
Um, and anyway, that's obviously like, I mean, you look at some of those lineups that the Canadians were sending out there every single night. Like we, we, we could have been beat by, by some AHL teams, like jokes yeah, aside. Um, I just wanted to take a quick moment, Liam. We're going we're gonna to shout out our, uh, our sponsors at DraftKings here. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you could score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Guys, the Canadians are playing this weekend against the Oilers at home, and that's a game that I know people will want to get in on the action. You can check on all the lines, odds, and even some of the more prominent player props, whether it's to score a goal or to make a certain amount of saves. Even the Leafs are playing against the Avs, which is supposed to be a very highly anticipated game, and I don't want any of you to miss out on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. So we've talked a little bit about everything here. We've talked about Drouin. We've talked about the cutter Gauthier trade. We talked about the Montreal Canadiens. We've talked about their past games. Is there anything in particular, Liam, that you wanted to address? Um, we, we didn't talk anything them. about the World Juniors. That's true. We didn't talk about that. But quickly, just a little more Montreal Canadian stuff here. A little prospect watch. Um, Owen You're Beck. a prospect guy. Yeah. So shoot. Just the prospect guy. Owen Beck. Debut with uh, Saginaw. He got traded in the OHL in the past week. Six points in his first game. Six points. Obviously didn't get a huge role in the World Juniors. But uh, maybe maybe he's legit. Maybe he's coming up. David Reinbacker struggling a little bit, but six points in 19 games in a men's league, which, is, which isn't bad. And then uh, Josh Waugh still hovering around point per game in the AHL. So we got a couple guys in the pipeline coming up. Logan Mayu having great season, great season as well. And he was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was nominated as a, an all-star for uh, the, in the AHL. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's Ward. awesome. Not that I know of, I think it was only Mayu. So don't know. I don't know. I don't know the, the, the full extent, but I know that Mayu is definitely one of them. So that's, that's great to see. And again, contributing to that decor that we have, um, World Juniors, quickly, quick recap. Congrats to the USA team. I don't know how happy I am for them, but congrats. Kind of sucks. I mean, you know, Team Canada did not look strong whatsoever. I mean, they missed the net pretty much every shot that they had, and they left their goalie out to dry a lot. But the team wasn't that good. And, you know, truthfully, there's a lot of players that could have played on the team that didn't, whether it was Bedard and and company. Um, so, you know, not not too, too disappointed. Um, yep. There was a lot of good. Pro I mean, I mean, the U.S. was absolutely stacked from uh, from top to bottom. Yeah, and uh, and Lane Hudson won a gold as well as Jacob Fowler, so that was awesome. Did he, good I think for them. He was one of the demon of the tournament. I believe so. I don't know for a fact, but I believe so. I think so. But there's a lot of a lot of great talent. Just if we're going like specifically for an NHL team, Buffalo, they got so many good forwards. They got Yuri Kulik. They've got uh, Isaac Rosen. They got yeah. Matt Savoie. I'm missing one here. I'm missing a forward. Another, yeah, another forward. But nonetheless, they got a. If this was my team, I'm trading one of those forwards for a D man because they need some help on the D core and they do not have the room on the forward core. Yeah, no, for sure. That's another team that's interesting to talk about the Buffalo Sabres and their and their struggles. I mean, they're hovering around last place or not last place in the league, but last place in the division for sure. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I watched the game against Seattle a couple nights ago, and it's just it, it was it was atrocious. It was atrocious to watch. It was yeah. tough. 
And we, and the truth is we, I mean, at one point we'll do a, a recap on our, our original predictions for, uh, for the divisions and whatnot, but I had the Sabres finishing, right, right. I had the Sabres finishing bad. top three. Yeah. 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 I, the prospect I was missing was Noah Osland on Sweden. He was very right. Noah Osland. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, a bunch of surprises in the NHL. Honestly, if we just want to go over that a little bit, um, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Yeah. Leading the league in points top of the standings after trading Pierre-Luc Dubois. So did the Habs bite a bullet there? He's having a terrible season. They Play definitely dodged the bullet. They definitely the line. He, he got he got moved down all the way there now yeah all the way down he's playing with so uh, i think i could probably drop him in fantasy now but anyway yeah, i think it's a bad time <laughs> but yeah winnipeg they just got that that formula right now haven't let in less than two goals in like a month which is unreal hellebuck's having a season and a half gabe velarde looking much better than pierre-luc dubois that whole trade looks like a huge and 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 again, not to quote the the podcast again, but I will say, I will say that on the sick podcast they were they were very hem- heavily emphasizing the fact that, you know, imagine like it's funny like no one in Quebec, no one in Quebec is talking about how Pierre, how bad Pierre Luc Dubois has been because imagine if he was in Montreal right now, imagine yeah. at eight and a half million dollars probably playing like he he. Like he's playing worse than like he's playing as good as Joel Armia is playing. Yeah. <laughs> like jokes aside, I mean, I mean, look look at his look at his season stats. Look at his season stats. I mean, that's all you that's all you need to know. I mean, he's got he's got nine he's got seven goals and nine assists. That's sixteen points. It's less than Mike Matheson. So I mean, that's all you gotta know, man. It was a big anyway. W for. Uh... Dave Shevel. I think it. I think it was actually a big W for the rest of the, for the other thirty-one teams. <laughs> yeah, all the teams that tried to get him, it was a huge W. So it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I, I'd love to see Vancouver continue to do well, and maybe this is the year where there's going to be two Canadian teams, or yeah, maybe two Canadian three teams make make the finals. Yeah, there's oh finals, two. the finals. Yeah. yeah the finals. Oh, okay, because so, but there but there could be four. There could be four Canadian teams in the playoffs, right? It's including Edmonton nine. as well. Yeah, it's true. Winnipeg. Uh, sorry, Edmonton on an absolute heater. They've won like eight in a row. It's going to be really fun. I think these playoffs. It's unfortunate that the East Canadian teams are really bad, other than uh, Toronto. But and Liam, I'm gonna if you don't mind, I'm gonna throw you on the spot quickly here if you don't mind. Like, well, we're at the 50 minute mark, so I think we could wrap it up. Um, and guys, we'll we'll presumably be back next week, and we'll continue uh, continue this. So again any topics in mind keep us keep us updated and be sure to check out the socials we'll be we'll be back with some of that stuff uh, some fun some fun trends as well liam on the spot this is going on the tiktok this is going on the tiktok on the tiktok <laughs> who's your stanley cup prediction at this point in time that's a great question that's a great question if i'm going to pick one team let me let me choose the finals first, and then then I'll give sure. you my pick. So we di- we discussed this a little bit, but as my West team, I'm going the Dallas Stars. And then oh, I want to pull this up really quick. But as my East team, I think it's uh I think it's the Florida Panthers year. I think they're gonna be in the finals, but I'm gonna give it. Actually, the Panthers made it last year. What am I saying? But. I'm going to give it to the Dallas Stars as my Stanley Cup champion. I like it. I like the, I mean, we've talked about it. We're, I think we're like pretty much on the same page. The only yeah. difference, the only difference to me is that I think the final will be Colorado versus Florida. Um, I think Colorado's coming around now. I think they're going to get Lekkanen back. I think, I mean, Landeskog was skating. Who knows if he actually plays, you know, it's always a little bit of a tease, but hey, if he ends up playing in the playoffs, that would be a huge boost. I think they're, I mean, they're third in the league, right? They've only lost a total of 15 games and that's including OT losses. So I'm going to give it to Colorado versus the Florida Panthers. And I actually think the Panthers are going to win the cup. Okay. And, and not only do I think that they're going to win the cup, I'm saying this pretty, I'm saying this pretty confidently right now. I think they're playing some absurd hockey and their top six. And look, I think, and this is my take. I think at the deadline, they're going to make an acquisition. I think it's going to be whatever they do. Whatever this acquisition is, I think it's going to be an incredibly underrated acquisition. I think it's going to be one of those that adds to their middle six or to their third pairing on D, but that's all they need. 
They have Barkov. They have Kachuk. They have Reinhardt. They have Bennett. They have Rodriguez. They have Lundell. That's totally fine. That's amazing. Top six, you're settled. Yep. They're D, Ekblad, Montour, Ekman Larson, Forsling. They're good. But whatever they do, they made the mistake a few a couple years back of going out and getting Claude Giroux. They overpaid a little bit. They paid the price for it. But I think that they might have to just go out and get that third line wing, that third line center, or that you know third pairing defenseman, and there they can do some serious damage, just like they did last year. There's always a question of is it going to ruin the dynamic, and I think we've seen that so many times. With you know, we saw it with the Panthers when they got Giroux. We saw it with the Rangers when they got Kane and Tarasenko. It's these teams that are doing so well in the regular season, and you go out and make that splash, which looks like that it puts you over the top, but it just ruins your chem and ruins your team dynamic, and it just goes downhill from there. So yeah, that's that's something that teams have to look out for, and that's why I think the Panthers are going to sign Corey Perry. <laughs> not even a bad, honestly, and not you know what? No, not a bad take at all, and honestly, I think... I was actually talking about this with a buddy yesterday, and obviously now Chicago has the ability to go out and sign Perry again if they wanted to. But I think I think I think they took the brunt of it because if you think about it, they were almost forced to let him go. They were forced to release yeah. him, and now he's cleared to sign with any team. So it's like, yes, obviously what happened. We don't know the we don't know the uh, you know to to what extent everything happened and 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 what exactly happened. But nonetheless, I mean, they were almost forced to release him, and now to get him back would probably be a mission because they're out of the playoffs. What does he care to sign with them? Why doesn't he go sign with a team that's in contention? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of, and, and I think, I don't think there was playoff intentions, but I think that, you know, him being there to mentor Bedard for the money, for the culture to, to, to create something there. And then having to release him really took a hit on a lot of the players, including Bedard. Now Bedard's out six to eight weeks. That team looks completely depleted. Obviously, they'd want to have they'd want to get Perry back if they could, just for the for the sake of you know, you know they signed him. They don't right. You need guys. You need guys to play in that lineup. And then now, realistically, why would he want to go back and play there? So it's like, yeah. well, ouch. Our goat Rem Pitlick is there right now. First line minutes. AHL the first line minutes. Hey, that's our fantasy advice for you guys. Go grab Rem. And Jason um, Dickinson, 14 playing, goals. Him and Colin Blackwell playing some good hockey. So random. Yeah. Originally, he signed there for the money. I don't think there was any playoff intentions. But no, I, like, how does Jason Dickinson have more goals than Cole Caulfield? Like, how because, is that well, possible? Yeah. I was about to say when you give them opportunity, but. Well, yeah, it's not like Cole Caulfield is uh, playing. Isn't getting, goals. yeah. Hey, but when you have something to prove, put it that way. Yeah, you have I something guess he to prove. Wants a bag next contract. I don't know what there his you contract go. is, but. And um, I, I want to. Uh, my other question to you was, last thing, any surprises for you um, in the standings right now? I mean, Philly being at eleven is ridiculous in the league. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Winnipeg and Vancouver. We counted them out so hard. Like, remember that conversation we had where you put Vancouver in the playoffs and I was like, how are they going to make the playoffs? Right. Because they didn't even add anybody. Well, I was completely wrong. But so. you but you know what we didn't talk about in that whole thing? And, and and I forgot to even mention it. So that's on me. But the reason that I put, I would have never thought that Vancouver would be second in the league. But the reason that I had them making the playoffs was because, I mean, let's not forget that they missed, that they that they didn't have Demko for, what was yeah. it, like half the season last year, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. That's a, and he's in Vesna contention right up there with, uh, with Hellebuck. So. Yeah, yeah. But I think my biggest surprise of the season other than Winnipeg, would have to be the Nashville Predators. They're they're balling. That first line is rolling with O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist, and Forsberg. Don't even my, bring them up. My just for just so you guys know, Gustav Nyquist was picked up by Liam, and I had dropped him. And anyway, the rest <laughs> yeah. is history. But, but they're sitting in a playoff spot right now, even though UC Saros isn't really playing well, and it's weird to see. He's but, he's up and down. He's up yeah, and down. Very up and down. But usually this team rides on on Saris's performance but right now they're they're rolling and i could really see them making the playoffs here which in my standing predictions i had them like dead last in their division or like second to last so interesting to see and yeah very interesting and i think if we're keep staying in that west and uh i my, my hot take is that i think that i think that calgary will end up in the playoffs i, I had a feeling you're gonna say that did you? Yeah. That's a really weird feeling. But yeah, I think I think look, I think that they're playing some good hockey as of late. A lot of their guys have figured it out. And if yeah. and if they get like Sharon Govich, Huberto's all of a sudden, I mean, past five, six games, he's playing on the first line. Yeah. Like he's looking good. Blake Coleman looks like a different player. Lindholm looks better. 
Kadri looks great. And awesome. Zary, yeah, I mean, good come up for him. And they have Coronado, who's still very capable. But on paper, they actually look like a really good team. Like their decor is more so defensive, but they got like three great defensemen with Uyghur, Hannafin, and Tanev. So I really, it's just really weird to see that they're not a good team, especially with their new coach. So mm -hmm. Markstrom, when he's playing well, which he is right now, they're they're looking like a good team. So again, and I think he's the weekend. And 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 honestly, that's and the guy that I'm the most curious about is Noah Hannafin. I didn't mention him in, mention him in the UFAs, but he's gonna he's gonna be a UFA. I think he voiced his opinion on the situation in um, Calgary at the beginning of the season. Hasn't signed a contract yet. Will probably hit the open market. And I think that whatever team he's on, if he's given the you know the if he's the first option on the team and he gets some first power play because right now it's Rasmus Anderson and you know that seems to be set in stone. I think that he can be pretty pretty. Um, fantasy viable for one but i think that he could also be a, a legitimate like a legitimate great defenseman in this league and i think that he could be that guy that has like a like a second half of his career resurgence and become relevant um yeah. so i don't know where he would sign i have no destinations just yet but i think that he'll be a guy to monitor uh the rest of the way yeah um just yeah go ahead surprise that i had in the east not so much who's in the playoffs but who's looking out of the playoffs right now and that's the uh new jersey devils who are dealing with a boatload of injuries. It seems like every game someone gets injured, comes back, gets injured. So unfortunate for them, they're they're just sitting outside the playoffs, but not looking too good right now. And they're getting some very bad goalie play right now, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, Jack Hughes week to week, Timo Myers day to day, Dougie's out until probably the playoffs, if they even make the playoffs at that. Um, yeah, and the Islanders, I mean, playing some good hockey there uh, they have the first wild card spot in the east with uh, 46 points 18 12 and 10 look uh, it's an interesting season i was listening to the jeff marrick podcast um just yesterday or just this morning you know talking about how this season has really been one of those has been one of those seasons that have been really really fun to watch because there's a lot of there's a lot of no pun intended but wild cards right like you don't know what's going to happen i mean the senators being dead last in the in the east is is crazy to me is crazy to me when when people were saying that they were out of the rebuild and they had one of the best you know top nines top sixes on paper and then you look at pittsburgh outside the playoff spot like there's just buffalo we thought would have a better season like and you know what gary bettman likes to say it's not a soap opera league and it's not but this season there's a, there's a few there's a few instances whether it's the cutter goatee trade whether it's the the ryan hartman and cole perfetti instance He's you know there's a door off situation like it's it's fun you know what and i think the nhl needs that that spark that needs that that drama to be yeah. to, to to stay relevant and to actually you know push their league on others and on yeah. uh, on other viewers so yeah yeah maybe it's Tank a marketing play. uh marketing thing. marketing scheme yeah, yeah it's a scheme. well well, you know what? Maybe the the marketing will uh, will pay off at the 2024 All Star Game, where it is it is um, reported that Justin Bieber will play a big part in the All Star Game. So get ready for that. Maybe we finally get uh, the breakaway or the sorry the shootout challenge, uh, Bennington versus JB. Well, did we'll you hear, see. Like it's a completely new format. Oh, is it? There's the 12 guys only competing in the skills competition. I think. And hmm. it's not it's not a division that wins the skill competition. It's a singular player, I think. So it's weird, but hmm. uh, vote yeah, Monty. definitely weird. Vote Monty. <laughs> yeah, get it, get him in. Everyone, I don't know if you saw that thing on Twitter where it was like, uh, it was um, UP in a cage, and they're like, we're not letting UP out in, until until uh, Caulfield makes the All Star game, and it's like live. They're live on what? on Twitter. Yeah, I swear. Go check it out. Sitting in the suit. I don't know, man, but it's moving. That's the worst part. Oh. But um. Yeah, but maybe they like anyway. Um, look, we'll see. I, I think the All Star Game still needs to like if it wants if it wants to have any credibility. I think that they need to move away from the one player per team thing. I mean, yeah, like I think that personally, I think that that's completely garbage, and that's not just for the NHL. I mean, the NHL has that format, but the All Star Games and the Pro Bowl and whatever have just become completely useless because it's a lot of fan voting. So yeah, like, I don't. I'm sorry, why is Boone Jenner and Frank Vitra like they're having good seasons, but they're not. But they wouldn't be in the All-Star game if it wasn't for the one vote yeah. for, per team, right? Or like, one guy per obvious, team. Obviously, Panarin had a reason why he couldn't be in the All-Star game, but like, you're choosing Boone Jenner over Panarin. But did you did you see Bjorkstrand's 
reaction. That too. Like nobody wants to go. Oh my God. But the worst part is, is that why do you put that out on social media when the guy was clearly visibly upset yeah. that he was going to the All-Star game? Like that just speaks volume to me. But anyway, look, we'll leave it at that. Obviously interesting. Look, guys, we're in the mid, we're in the middle of January. We're beginning of January, middle of January here. We're excited for the rest of the season. Obviously, Canadians like 17, 17, and six. Like, doesn't get any more 500 than that. Their, their point percentage is literally 500. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll be back next week, hopefully with uh, a little bit more news. But as per usual, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute blast. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, guys.